Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Because they're more, they're more important. You're more important. Do you know what? I'm not being, what? I'm not being, what? I'm not being drawn out, no. Makes a change. Ha, ha, ha. Hello and welcome back to the Study Podcast, Ring FC. I'm Musa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am very well, thanks Musa. How are you? Very, very well indeed. Should change my first name to Booster. Oh. Because that's just how I get down. Feel the takes. Indeed, Running feel the through takes. through my veins. Flowing through me, yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's, it's actually really awful. Can I say this? I, I can't remember so many people to have, to have COVID in the UK as now. Oh my God, I know, it's grim. So grim. It really has just, it's just tearing through. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well on that front. And also, as we mentioned on Monday, anyone affected by the tornadoes in the States, we hope everyone's hanging in there doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously on the COVID stuff, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster. Indeed. I'm, I'm wondering what I'm going to be like when I get boosted. I think I'm going to, might be like gremlin after midnight, getting fed after uh, midnight. Uh. <laughs> Record more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Does anyone else hear that? I'm going to be like, does anyone else hear that? I was like, no, what are you talking about? You sure you don't hear that? I'm in total comfort mode. I've actually got my, you've even got my sort of home roll neck on. This is the roll neck I only wear at home. Is that yeah. like house shoes? Yeah, it's like, this is like a house fleece, <laughs> but this is like my home roll neck. You'll never, I'll never wear it out. Interesting. Indeed. Is it like a house, is it a roll neck? Oh my God, I've just thought of a fashion idea. A roll neck that's also like a dressing gown. A roll neck robe. That's the dream. That's the final form. That's my final form. Interesting. Let's do some admin on that front. Let's do it. Stadio newsletter went out on Wednesday. Thanks to everyone who signed up. Go to stadio.football. Scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. You'll get a confirmation email, so check your spam folder. And uh, yeah, every Wednesday, if you haven't got an email from us, then make sure you check your spam folder as well. Although... Will we do? We will do one more newsletter before Christmas. We won't do one in between Christmas and New Year. We'll take that week off uh, because we do have a Stadio slash Writer's House. I suppose that's Ringer FC, really, isn't it? Yes, it is. A Ringer FC Christmas schedule for you all. So get your diaries out. Okay, so after today, Monday will will be a normal Stadio. If there's any football left, 
And then Thursday the 23rd will be the Wrighty's House Christmas Special. So instead of going up Wednesday, Wrighty's House next week will go up Thursday. On Christmas Day, there will be a Stadio Christmas Day episode. You and me podcasting for Christmas. Indeed, indeed. Gotta read those emails. (laughs) Podcasting for Christmas, yeah. (laughs) Things you get away with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can't be stopped. So yeah, Christmas Day Stadio. Can't be stopped. And then the 29th of December will be the Stadio's. The end of year awards that nobody asked for and nobody wants, but you're sure as hell going to get them. Going to get them. Stadio will be back on Tuesday the 4th and Thursday the 6th. So no righty's house that week. And then from the week after that, everything's back to normal. So Monday Stadio, 23rd, righty's house, Christmas special, Christmas day, Stadio Christmas episode, 29th of December, the Stadio's closing out the year. And then January the 4th, January the 6th, and then everything's back to normal the week after that. So hope. That is all okay for you lot. If it isn't, I'm really sorry. I can't do anything about it. Please don't email me, but you can. No, you can't. Send your complaints to at Okwonga on twitter.com. You know, actually, no, come at me. Do it. Go for it. You know what? Everyone who would probably complain can complain because Moose has probably muted you. So (laughs) fill your boots. Muted you as well. I wonder why you didn't like all my cool tweets that I've been tweeting recently. My cool tweets. <laughs> I've actually not been active on Twitter recently, so, you know, that might explain Cool it. tweets, bro. Cool tweets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Actually, on that note, I am teasing, but he'll hate me for saying this, but he's here now. He what can't I, do anything oh about no. it. Oh, God. The way that you tweet threads of a very serious nature so eloquently whilst being so angry is unbelievable I don't know how you do it oh man yeah I'm giving yeah this is your Christmas present take it oh my god okay Uh, praise wow I got what did you get Musa for Christmas just some compliments oh no do do you know what it is although that's firstly very kind do you know what it is Um, and that sounds a bit weird to say this but um, it's partly this is sound terrible to say this but the reason why I can the reason I can tweet like without completely losing my temper is first it's because I'm the middle child of five so you actually are not, you're, you are not in the luxurious position of losing your rag because no one really covers for you. Anyone that's a middle child of five knows that you can't really get away with being, going thermonuclear because they're kind of the family balance, family diplomat. Also as well, like angry black guy is not a place you want to be because everyone's just like, oh, he's just being angry again. So you kind of have to find a way of like measuring the rage. But also the final thing I would say is, and this is beyond those two bits of conditioning, the final thing I would say is, in the English context in particular, there is nothing more powerful than somebody who is quietly furious. Mm-hmm. Like if people, if you write something, because a lot, here's the thing, a lot of people on social media, a lot of people, a lot of people, pundits, whatever, they're just having a bit of a laugh, right? They're just having a joke with people. Um, and if you say something that cuts through with genuine, genuine sort of controlled rage, then the almost, the, the message is like sort of times up. I call it moral fury. It's a very particular technique that I use. And if people see that, they're like, oh, this has got real. And it's really interesting. There's not often the times when I tweet that stuff, I expect huge pushback, but it's often the least actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Appreciate that. That's all right. I mean, I I don't want to completely just devalue everything you just said, but 
Moral Fury is a great band name. Oh my God, actually. <laughs> there's ever like a sort of... St- Hang on, let me just quickly check if there is a band called Moral Fury. Uh, there's nothing on, There's nothing showing up on Spotify. So there's ever there's a Stadio a called Musical Fury. Side Project, which there will never be. There will never be a Stadio no, Musical never. Side Project, yeah. Nope. But the fictional one is called Moral Fury. It's like Death Grips, only Posha. <laughs> <laughs> the Tory Death Grips. <laughs> Tory Death Grips is actually a Death Grips. Death Grips. Yeah. Um, Other admins, Stadio Watchers players on Spotify if you want to check all the music we play out on each episode. Oh, the wonderful, wonderful Numero Group label gave us the okay to use their entire back catalogue. And we're going to be playing that on one today, but oh my God. Oh my God. It's a treasure trove, an absolute feast. Oh, I mean, it's one of the greatest reissue labels in the world, man. They, the stuff they do is just the range, the quality, amazing. And we're, we're lining up a couple of uh, special, you know, maybe a Christmas tune on the Christmas Day episode, a New Year related tune on the stadios. Who knows? Who knows? So many possibilities. Indeed. Uh, other admin, theringer.com forward slash soccer or theringer.com in general. I will have a piece going up about F1 on Friday. Musa has a piece that is on theringer.com forward slash soccer about Napoli. That's right. Uh, if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. And um, I'm not sure if everyone got the email. Anyone who ordered sweatshirts from Print Social, there was an email got sent out to everyone who ordered saying, like updating on when they're shipping. So for those who don't know who have ordered them, it's very much like a pre-order. So basically when the campaign ends, then they print all the orders because then it reduces waste. So at the moment with well, with Brexit and also with Christmas, it's kind of holding it up a little bit. So they may not make it for Christmas. We're really sorry if they don't. But yeah, they're doing... They're, I, I think to be honest, I think to be honest, the orders were way bigger than we thought they were going to be and also what Print Social thought they were going to be. So it's taken a little while, but they'll be out to you as soon as possible. So thanks for your patience, everyone. By virtue of excessive demand. So today we're going to round up some of the midweek fixtures that survived COVID COVID outbreaks. And then we're going to dive into the mailbag. We are indeed. Technically, this would be the final mailbag before Christmas. The Christmas Day episode has listener listener submissions, but it's not technically a mailbag. Let's do it, man. One last dance. One last bag of mail. All right, man. Women's Champions League. Wow. Let's begin there wow, because, wow, wow. well, we're recording this on Thursday. So obviously there are, the rest of the games are taking place Thursday night, as are some of the Premier League fixtures and also um, Copa del Rey, which will swerve this week. Do we start with Hoffenheim but, Arsenal? Uh, I think we start quickly with Barcelona because Barcelona put away, someone corrected me on this pronunciation. Hang on. I think it's Kurg. Oh, d- I think d- I got it wrong. Apparently it's Kurg. I pronounced it Kurger, I think. or Kur- I think I, I tried to pronounce it Kurger. Shouts to Alex Peters who, who, who emailed me about this actually. So it's Kurg. Yeah, I think it's Kurg. Kurg. Okay, it's cool. Cool, cool. Anyway, Chelsea won, uh, Chelsea, Barcelona won 5-0, securing the top spot. Some lovely goals in this game. Another one from Alexia Patelis, who is on an absolute tear at the moment. Um, Barcelona comfortably top of the group and through, uh, played 6, won 6, scored 24, conceded 1, 18 points. Arsenal escaped 
by the narrowest of margins against Hoffenheim because of a frankly wild five-minute period in the second half where they conceded three with some really, really questionable defending. Hoffenheim only needed one more goal to put Arsenal out. Arsenal were extremely lucky to get away with that one. Can I say about Hoffenheim as well? It's actually quite sad for them because I saw their game against Barcelona when they got beaten. I think it was by about five. I think it was in, in, uh, by Barcelona, five nil. Hoffenheim were more impressive against Barcelona when they got beaten by five than Arsenal were when they got taken apart by Barcelona, um, particularly mm. in the first game. And Julebrandt was brilliant against Barcelona, I thought, considering the lack of ball that she had she really drove at the heart of the Barcelona defence. And it's funny, like, I'd be interested to see where she ends up with, and this is no disrespect to Hoffenheim, I'm just interested because she's now turned in two outstanding performances back-to-back in the Champions League, and there have to be huge teams looking at her very closely. And within the next three years, I'll be interested to see where she ends up. I agree. Generally one of the most exciting players I've seen and just stood out immediately, and she was outstanding again against Arsenal, probably the best player on the pitch, I would say. Um, I hope she doesn't go to Bayern or Wolfsburg, though. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I hope she goes outside. If she does, or but yeah, then, then again, like, and if, if you know, and, and it's Barcelona, like, it's just like yeah, this is the thing. Bayern I mean, to Wolfsburg, be honest, though, I mean, yeah. sorry. sorry, sorry to cut in, but um, I mean, Hoffenheim are kind of um, you know they're only third; they're in the Champions League spots again in the Frauen Bundesliga. They're only a point behind Bayern in the league. Yeah, but their issue is squad depth, isn't it? Always, that's the thing. It absolutely is, and it's very similar to when like Essen were trying to push for a Champions League spot exactly. a few years ago. But I think Hoffenheim have got bigger resources, better resources. And they're two points off top. The way that that league has Long way to go shaken up a little bit this season, they could easily take points off the top two this year. Yeah. So yeah, Hoffenheim are having a really, really good season, even though they went out of the Champions League, but they were very, very unlucky. Staying in Germany, Bayern beat Benfica 4-0, comfortably through, but second because Leon topped the group, they beat Hecken 4-0. So that was Wednesday's Champions League games. Group A and Group B are to be... Well, Group B is already done. As it is, PSG will go through top. Real Madrid will go through second. It's a little bit up for grabs in Group A. Juve and Wolfsburg on eight points. Chelsea clear on 11 points. Shaping up to be a really... That knockout stage of the Women's Champions League is going to be unbelievable. Very much so. Should we go to the Premier League? Let's do it, let's do it. Do you want to quickly touch on Man City beating Leeds 7-0? We had a lot of players missing. Because Liverpool and Chelsea both play Thursday night, so we're recording this ahead of those games, I think. It was absolutely imperative for City to win that mm. to create a bit of a buffer. Um, that's the only problem with, I think, playing first in in title races is that you have the opportunity. It's actually an advantage because you can get the points on the board, but like if you don't capitalise on, on that, then it yeah. can be a real... Little part of me thought this was revenge for the one-all draw at Ellen Road. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. A little bit. I think little it was, bit. yeah. 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 Um, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne in particular. <laughs> it's his second goal, right? Unreal. Oh my God. Unreal. The commentator said, um, oh, like, you know, what are you doing giving me so much room? I'm like, they're exhausted. Like, yeah. Leeds have been running after these players for <laughs> an hour. Like, they're exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they're not trying to catch up. And you look at the players they have. I mean, De Bruyne was playing, what, in the front two? I mean, mm. he just basically plays wherever Pep, I mean, wants him to. And he, he can plays where he wants. He plays where Pep wants. Him and Foden, that uh, classic strike partnership. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most, I mean, that's only, only, only Pep could put those, could think of putting those two in the front line and have them mm. being so brilliant. But again, just the sheer weight of resources that City have. 
I mean, yeah. you've, you've got Jack Grealish there for a hundred million. I don't want to let labor this too much, but they just brought in Jack Grealish for a hundred million. It's unbelievable. The depth, the sheer depth, and they're playing glorious football. And not many, and we've seen from unnamed other managers that spending huge amounts on a squad doesn't guarantee beautiful football by any stretch. But what City have put together is some glorious passages of play. When they're on, they are terrifying. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, how many times have they just absolutely hosed teams down? There's no other team in the Premier League that when they're on, it's just good night. They must have the, the biggest clutch of like five goal plus victories. Yeah. Yeah. Over the last three They years. remind me a little bit of like, um, they play football, I think, in a way that, you know, like people who, who can, who just know how to do Rubik's Cubes can just do them super quick. Yeah. In a few seconds. Yeah, and I'll just yeah. keep picking them up and I'll keep doing them and keep doing them, keep doing them. And it's just the patterns. It's just the pattern, 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 yep, pattern. Yep. That's what City play football like when they, when they're on, they're just like Rubik's Cube, Rubik's Cube, done, yeah. done. Give me another, give me another. It's like a sword fight where you're dead but it takes 19, you're fighting someone, there's a sword fight, you're like, oh, I'm already dead. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to kill you in 19 moves, but basically you're already dead. And they're like, oh, oh man, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, sorry, it's just the way it works. That, yeah, yeah. that took a turn. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's how it is. Like watching City where no you're like- fictional people were harmed in this metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the City thing quickly, should we touch on Sergio Aguero, who, as expected, retired from football due to his um, heart condition that was diagnosed, what, a couple of- uh, no, no, let's be, so was, was leaked, was leaked a few weeks ago. It's a real shame, a real, real shame because the last six months or so for, for Sergio Aguero have just been so, um, just so sad in a way, like leaving Man City where he was beloved, um, kind of at a time where he convinced Pep that actually Pep really, really, really needed him, but it was too late. Mm. Moving to Barcelona to play with one of his best friends. And that's a dream move at that stage of your career. Maybe not the Barcelona of old, admittedly, but then Messi leaves, he gets injured, he comes back, he suffers this tight chest, gets diagnosed with the heart arrhythmia, and then has to has to kind of hang hang up the boots. And it's just so sad, man. Like so I, it was really, it's really much in the same way of like the Christian Eriksen stuff, because obviously there's reports this week as well that he may have. Um, his contract terminated at Inter. Just super sad. Super Do sad. careers ever, I mean, I mean, so many careers don't end well. So many careers end badly, but this felt like a succession of, of setbacks mm. um, was really harsh. And I suppose as well, the unfinished business of not winning the Champions League with City. But then again, if you think about where City were and where he took them to, Oh, he was a completely transformed. This is the thing. So almost like missing out on the Champions League. If you look at that, you're like, well, this man transformed the face of that club. And it was weird. When he arrived at Manchester City, I was extremely anxious because I said, mm. I think I, I was doing, I think, um, was it Radio 5 Live, I think it was, or BBC, you know, it was BBC Sports World, I think it was, World Sport, World Sport. And I said, people don't realise what they've done. Like, people don't understand the player. And he arrived like 38 million pounds, mm. which at that point was like low, it was low for, it's a lot, it's a huge amount of money, but in the context, it was, it was a low amount of money for the quality of play they're bringing in. And I, I think it was, this, he scored twice against Swansea. The second was a kind of like sort of absolute heat seeker. And I was like, we're, I said, we're in big trouble, lads. We're in big trouble. And we were in big trouble in the best possible way. One of the outstanding force of a generation and just unfortunate with injuries at international level, really. Um, mm. 
Yeah, I remember, even though City had signed some good, really good players before that, obviously, when he signed, it was a bit like, uh, okay. Okay, yeah. They're for real. A fully lethal finisher. A lethal finisher. Yeah, just best of luck in retirement. And um, I really hope he stays in football, if he, obviously, if he wants to, because the amount of knowledge and wisdom he can, like, could deliver or offer a club in a coaching sense would be amazing. Imagine if he rocks up back at City as like Pep's assistant. So good. Yeah, absolutely. The one ma- major shame as well that he, he constantly went on about finishing his career at Independiente and that's such a shame that he didn't get to do that. But yeah, best of luck, Sergio. Indeed. Um, elsewhere in the Premier League, there were obviously a few games called off Brentford Manchester United because of the COVID cases and um, Burnley Watford. Uh, Thomas Frank in his press conference this morning basically said that the Premier League should postpone all fixtures this weekend in order to break the chain because there are obviously there are loads of COVID cases COVID cases are going up in the Premier League much like they are in the rest of the country in the UK and um, I think he's got a point man on that subject do you see the Kevin De Bruyne news about his COVID no talking about how he can really feel it like two or three sprints he can still feel the effects of it Jesus Let's talk about an, a couple of games that did go ahead. Well, a few games. Lots of games. Dude, I had forgotten how cool it felt to be in the top four. Might not, might not last long, but oh, you don't, cool. No, 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 don't, you don't know that. You don't know that. Arsenal beating West Ham 2-0 at Emirates Stadium. Huge win. Huge win. Um, it was a good game, this, I thought. And uh, it, felt, <laughs> it felt like after about an hour, I think I put this in the right house group, that the ball had been in the West Ham box for about 48 minutes. <laughs> and it was just carnage in there. It just felt like there was a run in the first half where it felt like everyone was falling over, everyone was rolling around, everyone was kicking the shit out of each other and everyone was appealing for something basically all the time. Can I say that? Can I say this as well? What a beautiful reaction to the recent internal issues, struggles, dressing room challenges. I know. Almost as if it's a relief. Yeah. Because players playing with freedom, that's always striking. It's always interesting how players come out and perform after a situation like that. And it's not to say that he doesn't, Aubameyang doesn't have supporters, it's unpopular. I think that when there's a situation that's clearly been simmering for a while and it's been resolved in some way or another, it, it liberates people. Um, mm. And what's so striking about this result is, you know, the source of the goals and, and, and some of the, stat, the outstanding performances. So Lacazette was superb as a kind of, senior member of that squad, but the younger players really stepping up. And look, we know that we've talked about um, Smith Rowe plenty on this podcast and Saka and Martinelli being added to that list of someone that's just unafraid oh of that God. pressure. I love them. Can I say, Martinelli's first touch for his goal is absolutely beautiful. The left foot first touch that he takes to knock the ball into his stride is a thing of understated beauty. It's absolutely, there's moments like that in football where you see them and you're like, Wow. You see, it always reminds me of what, um, sounds like a strange comparison to use, but Pedro scores a beautiful goal against um, Real Madrid for Barcelona. Xavi plays the ball into his path and Pedro takes it on the run with the first, with the first touch of the right foot, knocks into his path, finishes the left foot, Pascasias. And Martinelli's finish here, that one-two combo of knocking the ball into your path. And it's even more impressive here because it's with his, is he, he's right-footed, is he? Martinelli? Yeah. Yeah. So he did it with this, the, the, this even more impressive to take the ball on the run with your wrong foot or your weaker foot, not that it's that weak, and finish with the right. So impressive. Lovely, lovely goal. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And also his his defensive work was really good. They highlighted it on Match of the Day, but it was really quite quite impressive. Someone who probably would be judged on appearance and playing style that's not maybe being that switched on defensively. He did a really good job down that left-hand side. Um, Smithrow came on, scored that lovely second goal. I love Emil Smithrow, Matt. Just everything about him. The way he runs, for example, is amazing. The low socks and the blackout boots. It's, it's amazing, just, isn't it? It's, it's real throwback stuff. It's genuine throwback. It's amazing. You know those players, like, I mentioned like I mentioned um, Juan Carlos Valeron before Deportivo as these sort of throwback playmakers. And you could imagine a kind of Smith Rowe at a Deportivo type club in terms of him fitting mm. into that kind of very fluid, quite rangy, Rui Costa type vibes as well, I think to an extent, just because of the, not just the low socks, but also the kind of, the bustling energy. And if there's ever been someone whose movement on the pitch most accurately reflects how their brain is working, like mm. Emil Smith Rowe runs like he thinks. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, idea. Oh, that's what's that? Oh, you know, there's children when you're like going to like a supermarket and they're, they're on the trolley, like in the kind of like in the child seat and they go by every aisle and they're looking down every aisle going, wow, look at that. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that avenue. And they're like so curious. He's like that. Endlessly curious oh, attacker. Yeah. He's love it. him and Saka are just, they're just such a great partnership. And I think the cool thing as well now is that there were a few rumblings of discontent about Martin Odegaard. And I think he's playing really well at the moment as well involved in a number of goals over the last few weeks. That's three of the best playmakers as a trio. You'd be hard-pressed at any club to find three, play, three young playmakers as good as And then you've three. got Martinelli in there as well. Yeah, that, you'd as be a, really hard-pressed. There's a really great stat that Jack Supple from Opta put up saying, since Mikel Arteta's first game in charge on Boxing Day in 2019, Arsenal scored 28 Premier League goals via players aged 21 or under more than any other team. Arsenal are a classic example of a team where managers and coaches within football and within the Premier League rate them more than people that watch them outside. Mm. They're, they're a team that they, you know, like there's, um, we always joke about when, you know, and Pep praises teams and then thrashes them. And it's kind of like, oh, Pep, you're just saying that to kind of gratify yourself. I mean, that, that is kind of a funny joke, but I think at the same time, there is a thing where you'll get someone like Pep or someone like Klopp praising Arsenal and people be like, why are they doing that? And actually like Pep and Klopp genuinely believing these lot are dangerous if they get this together. Mm. They're dangerous if they get this working because to dismiss West Ham like that, that is not an easy, I mean, I know West Ham away and they're more dangerous, I think at home, but still to dismiss West Ham like that, that is a, as we say, a statement victory, I think. Indeed. I thought Moyes was really good after the game. Um, obviously Lacazette missed the penalty that resulted from Kufal's foul on him and his second yellow I actually thought it was quite harsh I understand that it looks probably I think it looks worse than it is mm. um, but David Moyes was really he had a really good point and that, that I hadn't thought about where he says he doesn't the re, he basically gives the referee the referee a decision to make mm. he's there in time he has a perfect eye on the ball he can make a clean contact the fact that he kind of scuffs the contact and then goes into Lacazette is the thing that causes Anthony Taylor to make the decision I thought it was soft, personally. I did. I I thought so actually. Yeah, and I think that even if he did give it, I think giving the second yellow was extremely harsh. Mm. Actually, um, so Can I say, I mean, like, like I said, <laughs> that sounds slightly as, harsh. As Roscoe said in the Writers House Group, 
contract lacquer. Lacazette gave up very quickly after after the penalty was saved. Though. Did you see him? Like, the ball was still yeah. very much in play and he was like, oh no, it's done. I'm like, dude. <laughs> this might like come LeBron back and J.R. Smith. It's right there. Yeah, but he might, come, right <laughs> he might come, yeah, exactly. So this might come back into the six yard box. Lacazette was already like on a journey. He was like, no, no, it's done. It's done. It's the I end have to it. admit that as a, uh, when that happened, I was, I was like, when he missed the, the penalty, I was just like, this is, this has got 2-1 West Ham written all over it. Mm. I'm just glad it didn't happen. Um, Wolves beat a COVID hit Brighton 1-0 at the Amex. We like checking in on this. Brighton did win the XG battle. <laughs> but Roman Sice got a lovely goal in this game. Mm. Very much a Fabregas type pass from Ruben Neves. It was. And actually it was also quite a Fabregas finish as well. Yes, true, true. Um, but he, he's been brilliant, man. He's been really, really good. And um, Fabregas is still underrated. He is. He is. He is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. On this, not, not, um, this, not in this parish, but most other places. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, Roman Sice is just, I really like him, man. He's really good. Shouts to Wolves. They are now up to eighth. Quietly impressive stuff there. Do you know who else have been very impressive? Villa. 2-0 over Norwich in the... Um, <clears throat> the Dean Smith Derby. The Dean Smith Derby. Villa are up to 10th. Everything that Gerard has said and done since arriving at Villa, in, to my opinion, has been so impressive. Pure fan service with the John McGinn love as well the other day. Oh, yes. We're so lucky to have someone like John McGinn. We're so lucky to have John. Like, John McGinn couldn't believe his luck. Like, <laughs> I, I think John McGinn is a, a good player. But like, imagine being someone like John McGinn. He's not the most like glamorous name on the team sheet, right? And, you know, and you've got people like Buendia coming in. And he had Jack Grealish yeah. and you've got like um, Leon Bailey and all these kind of players in the squad. <laughs> and Steve Gerrard's just like, we are basically like, we're blessed to have John McGinn. <laughs> oh, I I've love it. I love it. Ages. I love it. I've been watching it at Hibs. He's like, holy shit, Steven Gerrard was watching me at Hibs. <laughs> Do you know who he reminds me of actually? Funny you mentioned, he reminds me of um, John Collins actually. Yeah, yeah. Not just, shout. I mean, obviously the Hibs connection because they're both at Hibs, but like just... Both called John, both Scottish. Yeah, but in, yeah, in, in, yeah, and, and, and vastly underrated in that sort of deep-lying role, scoring gorgeous goals now and again and just keeping midfield tempo high with a bit of bite. Mm. You know, John Collins is, you know, still, I mean... But then that happens to a lot of Scottish players who don't get the kind of the media love that they should have got. I mean, they got it more in the 80s when people were more conscious of the Scottish game being strong and there was more parallels between... Rangers, Celtic, Liverpool, um, and United, but really, really impressive plan. I'm glad he's getting his, his props, but Gerard in particular, just the things he said, the young players he's brought in. Um, I think Carney Chukomeko is interested. It was being linked to other clubs and is a brilliant mm-hmm. player. And many Villa fans who watch the youth team closely are raving about him for a while. It's just the way he's integrating young players. He's smart. And also I think there's a sense with Gerard that like, if you're good enough, no, no matter what your pedigree or your profile in the squad is, you'll get games. It's clear he's got big plans for them. It's clear the direction wants to take them in. So, yeah. Uh, I wanted just to mention something on the John Collins thing quickly before we move on. Um, the, one of the biggest crimes in football was that John Collins left Fulham in 2003 and retired. Oh, I know you're, I know you're, doing, I know you're doing. Oh, no, go on. And Collins John signed <laughs> the following <laughs> year. <laughs> so we were robbed of the prospect of John Collins and Collins John both playing for Fulham at the same time, which was incredible. Just one of the biggest football crimes. Maybe they're just variants of, of each other. Maybe they couldn't exist in the same place at once. That would be so funny. 
Uh, we've got a question on Southampton, so we're going to save the Southampton Palace thing until after. So yeah, let's yeah. take a quick break. And let's do it. Then... Oh, actually, before we do take a quick break, let's very, very quickly round up the Bundesliga uh, in what is making a case to be the new Catfish Classico. Oh no, Eintracht. <laughs> uh, Gladbach lost to Eintracht Frankfurt 3-2. Gladbach <laughs> on an absolutely rotten run of form at the moment. Obviously, Adi Hutter against his former side. Um, I think that's 17 goals in four games that Eintracht, uh, that Gladbach have conceded now. And they've got to be careful. I mean, luckily they, they do have a... They're only a point above the relegation, which is the playoff spot, the relegation playoff. They've got a five-point buffer on Armenia, Bielefeld, who are in the guaranteed relegation spot. But if Gladbach get dragged into that playoff, com- considering what, what they've been doing over the last couple of years, and ba- let's get real, like the squad that they have, while I think it isn't maybe the top th- in the top three squads in the Bundesliga, there's some tasty treats in there. The vultures will be there circling. There are some very, very, very good players in that squad. The, the vultures and, um, will be coming after that. And I know that maybe like, it, I know that a lot of people criticised Marco Rosa last season, but I think maybe Marco Rosa doesn't get the credit he deserves actually as a coach. And I think we're seeing that this season. I think that Dort- the way that he's managed, yeah, Dortmund have been really, really patchy at points and we know that, but also they've had some rotten luck with injuries and they've had to reshape and um, rejig quite a lot this season. It looks like now that Eintracht have kind of turned a bit of a corner it's four wins in their last five in the league and they were right down there well I know that Leipzig I know that Leipzig had lost some huge players in the summer but I think Leipzig in the same way that Nagelsmann showed how difficult Leipzig could be to coach mm. I think to your point about Rosa Rosa is showing Gladbach is a very particular blend of talents and the challenge for them the problem for them and for sporting director Max Abel is that this has driven down the value of some of those players now this run of form mm. it really has yeah. like Dennis Zachary's yeah, really value has. Um, Marcus Taram year and a half now Ebola. Marcus Taram yeah all of them I mean in partic- particularly obviously Taram's been in a bit of a difficult place ever since he got that ban I think yeah ever mm. since his ban but I think Zachary in particular and Neuhaus as well yeah I was going to say like Flip Flora and Neuhaus and all of these people at that time um, you know or Ben Zabaini for example yeah like flipping players like that at the time when they qualify for the Champions League while it would have sucked I think in terms of financial maybe not financial actually because that was kind of mid-Covid yeah so maybe it was too, maybe it's just a bit of circumstance with Gladbach. But the fact that they are doing so poorly, I think is very worrying because Adi Hutter is a really good coach. And this is just something that's not really working out, I don't think, at the moment. Um, just elsewhere, where quickly in the Bundesliga, Bayern beat Stuttgart 5-0 away. They're, they're miles out in front. Uh, Mainz beat Hertha 4-0. Mainz were in Wow, that, that is, yeah. That's Mainz were up to sixth. I mean, Hertha, are, they are what they are. But still, season, to, to put them away like that, Mm. Bo Svensson uh, another, another, fine, another very fine coach coming from the Mainz camp yes I need to do my bootleg Bo Svensson tease very soon before I, before I miss the boat you should uh, Wolfsburg lost again at home to Köln um, shame because there's some nice things up front actually yeah but Stefan Baumgart is doing an unbelievable job at Köln he is um, all he needed was a flat cap <laughs> that's all he needed flat cap gang that's all you ever need flat cap gang exactly a little, uh, that's one for the uh, Stadio OGs. Exactly. Those who know, know. Sadov playing um, golf. Yeah. <laughs> the, Tedes- the, the Tedesco honeymoon period is already over. They drew one all with Augsburg. Um, Leverkusen beat, uh, drew two all with Hoffenheim. 
Dortmund beat Greutherford 3-0, a couple of goals for Erling Haaland. Nice one from Daniel Marlon too. Nice finish there. Yeah. Aguero type uh, finish. Mm. And Union drew with Freiburg 0-0 at Union. There was a great great quote from Christian Streich after the game saying, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, um, drawing at Union is never a bad result. However, scoring a goal and winning would have been better. (laughs) Or like (laughs) I would have loved to have scored a goal and won or something like that. It was literally that. I love it. Uh, he's amazing. Hope you had a nice time in Berlin, actually. Top of the Bundesliga is Bayern on 40 points, Dortmund on 34 points, Leverkusen on 28, and Hoffenheim on 27. Freiburg and Mainz make up the other uh, European spots. Right, let's take a break and do mail. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Let's have this one from Kunlea Joe. He said, what do you guys think of Hasenhull at Southampton? Given the pieces really aren't there for what he wants to do, do you think he's taken them as far as he can? Now, I've been meaning to talk about Southampton for a while. Now, they drew to all with Palace on Wednesday. I got a text from Southampton Rob when Southampton oh. went 1-0 down saying, we're awful, basically. And I said, oh, I'm not watching. Is it that bad? And then he said, kind of rotting in front of our eyes. Team seems to have lost any spirit or desire over the last couple of months. And I said something about how like maybe the fit was almost too good for Hasenhutl and Southampton that it kind of didn't lead to any kind of pressure being applied. Does that make sense? Is it the same kind of position as Everton? Like, like they brought in Ancelotti to restore identity to an extent. 
They weren't expecting yeah. him to win because he was in that kind of, sort of sweet spot of... Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this is the guy basically who was tipped for the Man United job and the Arsenal job. Right. And then he turns up at Southampton. He restructures a lot of stuff. He obviously brings out the Southampton playbook and stuff like that. Tries to, to implement this philosophy down through the age groups. That kind of creates a sense of like, right, it's here and it's all about process. But if the process never comes, or if the process never reaches a conclusion, then how, you know, it's very up and down. They've had some really good results under Hals and Hutter, but they've also had some really, really some poor terrible ones. ones. Obviously yeah, the yeah. famous two nine nils and stuff. What fans expected from Hasenhutl hasn't really arrived yet. I think there are many factors involved in that. I think personnel is one. Their transfer policy shifted so far from the days of when they would sell players to Liverpool for big money. There's been a turnover of personnel at executive level. It's tricky with Southampton because I think you do have a coach there who I, I personally really, really rate Hasenhutl. Now I wonder whether the players aren't, because the players aren't maybe seeing the results or the effect on them on the pitch, that they aren't as invested in him anymore and also then also the fans for the same reason. Personally, I think it might be good for both to maybe part ways. And I think the reason for that is because I think that Hasenhutl, I think, could do a really good job somewhere else. I just don't think he's got great pieces as well. This is the problem. No, he doesn't. He just doesn't. No, he doesn't. You look at that Southampton team and you're like, well... Is it performing that far below par? I don't think it is, Ryan. I don't think it's actually, I mean, I'm really harsh here. I look at those, um, the squads beneath Southampton in the table, Leeds, Watford, Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich. How do I say this without sounding disrespectful? They are, they're marginally higher than I expect them to be, to be honest, actually. They're marginally higher. Like if you look at the players, the teams above, I think maybe the success of clubs like Brentford and Brighton are making people think, oh, like we should be better off. Well, no, not really, because those teams aren't mugs. Brentford, highest scores in the championship last year, playing on the front foot, very intense. You'd expect mm-hmm. them to be higher at this point. Brighton basically just lack a reliable finisher. We joke about the XG, but really, if Brighton had a finisher that took them to an elite level, if Brighton had, if Brighton had for example, like um, a Lucas Metcher from, uh, from Wolfsburg, for example, Lucas Metcher, I think, is quite affordable for someone like Brighton. Go there. They got the table two places. It's hard to see where the slack is in that table. There's not much fat in that table. And, you know, you could, you could argue that um, them beating, being beaten by Norwich was not the best result. But again, Norwich mm. aren't clowns. But maybe Villa. Like, this isn't a... They're kind of treading water. And this is no disrespect again to Southampton fans, but it is so frustrating when... How to say this? He's coaching that squad maybe not to the optimal level, but not far, you know, he's, he's not, it's not like he's coaching it to like 70% of its quality, if that makes sense. Like a goal difference of minus 10 at this point and 15th on the table and what, like three points off, well, they're three points off 11th. Yeah. And also they've lost as many games as Arsenal have this season and Arsenal are fourth. Right. Outside of that top three, listen to the games down the league that teams have lost. Six, five, 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 seven, six, nine, five, six, four, eight, six, seven. That's until you get to Watford. I think it's quite confusing the Premier League this year because I think there's a top and there's a bottom and there's Mm. a huge middle section which could genuinely finish in any order. Yes. Maybe bar outside the European spots. So if you take the the, the teams below the European spots, so maybe let's say seventh down, that's probably... 
doing a bit of a disservice to Wolves and Leicester, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go there. So apologies, any Wolves and Leicester fans, but you know, maybe seventh down to 16th, uh, sorry, eighth down to 16th. It could be a free for all. There's eight, there are eight places there that could genuinely finish in any configuration. I'm going to sound a bit harsh here. Not harsh, actually. It's not harsh at all. You know how like Getafe and La Liga are that team that like basically, and actually Levante even more so. Who's not anymore. Once. Getafe, not anymore. Bingo, exactly. And that's the thing, the comparison with Southampton. Levante and Getafe, the teams in La Liga that they're not going to win, but they keep a team honest. And it's very, very tough to like, if they're on, you know you're in for a game with them. And the thing, the one criticism I say of Southampton is in recent season, in the last sort of year and a half, couple of years, they've lost that thing where Yep. Does that make sense? They've they've lost that little needle or that edge or that kind of like, we're we're up for a real battering. Even if Mm -hmm. we win, we're going to limp away from this one. And they've lost that little edge of intensity, which you shouldn't, shouldn't be the case from teams like Levante, Getafe and in in, in Premier League, um, Southampton. So if there's any criticism I'd point, it'd be like, I don't know if it's a spiritedness or an intensity, but that's gone, whatever that is. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's once that's gone, it's hard to regain it as, as those teams in our league are finding. You've seen what three wins in, what, five games can do for a side like Villa though. Yeah. And then you apply that to Southampton and based on the results around you and they'll jump up that league. But I think for the first time in a long time now, maybe not the first time in a long time, but maybe too regularly, let's say, it feels like Southampton are in a position where actually where are those three wins going to come from in five games? Mm. Let's jump from Southampton to... Everton. Sana Qureshi. Yeah, how's she feeling about Everton? Check this out. On a scale of one to pure vibes, how hilarious would it be if Wayne Rooney became Everton's next manager? Oh no, I wouldn't wish that on Everton. Do you know what it is? Not because I don't love Wayne Rooney, but just because of like, to quote scams, a phrase that he often uses, is so unserious. Like in the sense that Everton were building something and it really saddens me still. I know this, I've said this maybe a thousand times on here, but the loss of Carlo Ancelotti. I love that appointment so much. I love what it brought to the club. And I, I think I'm kind of still viewing them through that lens. I think there's a part of me that won't accept that Ancelotti's gone because I just really liked the shape the things were taking. And this is no disrespect to Benitez. It's more like, like Everton are an under, underperforming club. They just are. Like the size of that club, the players they can attract, the players that they have, they're underachieving. They just are. Like they have actual firepower in that squad. Everton have the forward line to really hurt you. And I don't know if it's a question of Benito has not been the best fit because that's another story. But I think, you know, how would like a Hasenhutl do with with Everton? Like with the pieces Everton have, like it's not like, Ooh. that's yeah, exactly, that's not. You have my attention. See, that's not a Southampton thing. That's Everton genuinely have the pieces. And I, that's where they kind of frustrate me a bit because I look at, Southampton fans might look at other clubs and be like, oh, we should be higher up. But actually in their heart of hearts, player for player, over the course of a squad, you can see actually there's some shortfall here and there. No disrespect, just the way that it is. The, the peak of those players is not really what it is of other clubs, but Everton generally have players who, like Richarlison could start for Inter Milan. Like could start for a lot of, Richarlison could start, well, actually I could say for Barcelona, but that's not saying much for Barca, but Richarlison could go to quite a few teams in the world and absolutely um, deliver with credit. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, Calvert-Lewin, the same, just to to name, just just to throw a couple out there. So 
I mean, Rooney managing, I, I wouldn't wish that on them because it would just feel like, I mean, look, and I say this as a fan of a club that is big on nostalgia appointments. Nostalgia FC. It's just never the way to go. Never the way to go. Get Rain Rooney in as the attacking coach. That's exciting. He for won't me. do that. He won't. No, do he, that. he won't. He won't. Because I think as well, I think what Stephen Gerrard has done, Stephen Gerrard has really laid down a bit of a marker because he has shown the value of going away, being patient, doing your homework, taking a challenging job and building something genuinely interesting. Stephen Gerrard's managerial identity is so strong at this point. Like, for example, small things like the way that Stephen Gerrard really talked up the villa win over Norwich. Who else has boosted a win over Norwich like that? What other manager has beaten Norwich and come out and, and talked as if they've beaten an inform, an inform Liverpool. And that's not knocking Norwich. It's more like Stephen Gerrard going, every three points in the Premier League is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney watching a thing like that and other managers watching Wayne Rooney, watching uh, Stephen Gerrard at Liverpool must be like, I want to get it and do this properly and have my identity. But the Everton job is too big for Wayne Rooney, actually. And I say that out of respect for Wayne Rooney, but it's too big for me. Everton job is a huge job. It's a huge job. It's I think big, Ralph big, would be a great shout. But it's, but it's, but it's, but it's too big for Rooney. It's too big for him. But, you know, would, would Everton want another former Southampton manager? Why not? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it didn't work out so well with Koeman. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but he's... Hasenhüttl is in a different class. The football, the football, the football he'd play with They them. were pretty good, man. Don't get revisionist. Like, Southampton under Poch and then under uh, Koeman were... They, they played some good stuff under Koeman, man. They weren't, they weren't that bad. It wasn't like Barcelona's Koeman. I, I know, I'm being unfair on Koeman. I'm being unfair on Koeman. Just give it big dunk. He's right there. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> Nostalgic appointments of any sort. I'm just not a fan of them. I've been burnt. He did all right them. when he stood in. He did, he did. But I just don't like nostalgic appointments. All right. Well, sorry, sorry to be that guy. To this, sorry uh, to that, guy. that leads us nicely onto this next question. Says the man. That Will it, the Willem Defrender. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when thinking about what I want in a new captain, I realised I'm actually a dinosaur and not the cultured fan I thought. So what are your most grumpy old man football opinions that you can defend? Black football boots is mine. Oh. Black football boots. I am not a fan of wildly coloured football I boots. I do not like gloves and short sleeves. I don't. I don't like them. I yeah. think because I believe you're missing a vital opportunity to have the long baggy sleeves. And if, the you're gonna go for, if you're going to go warm, go warm. Go with the baggy sleeves. I'm very biased because Henri did the baggy sleeves and they looked amazing. Baggy sleeves and gloves look amazing. Proper long sleeve shirts as well. Mm. I, I'm not a fan of this undershirt rubbish. No, no, I, I like a, bag, a baggy sleeve. Old man football opinions. Um, don't do Penencas unless you're really, really, really good. Oh, I threw one out on Twitter as a joke. And a lot of people, well, it's a kind of semi-joke. A lot of people took it very seriously. Mm. If you won the penalty, don't take the penalty. That's your view. You like that? I like that. See, I, I like taking it. I like the idea of taking the penalty or having won it. Yeah, I know. Well, it's... Make character energy. I'm more of a kind of like, you know, <laughs> let's just win can the I, game, guys. Can I confirm for the podcast that um, the Al Jimenez red card was absolutely how I would love to be sent off? I know. In a big match. That was actually, that gave me I all don't my think vitamins. It was, I, I don't think it was dramatic enough for you. I think you, I think you needed more of a, more eyes on you. <laughs> Would you shush the crowd? Or like cupped your ear? Sorry, what? <laughs> Are you all booing me? You're all booing me. <laughs> all right, should we wrap on this one? Because we also got this from Ryan Middleton, mm. but our good friend Haley O'Shaughnessy 
Oh, I shout to Spinsters podcast. If you like yeah. basketball, go and listen to Spinsters. It's amazing. For those who like the NBA, you may be unaware, we put it in the newsletter. Steph Curry broke the all-time three-pointers, career three-pointers record this week in Madison Square Garden. What a place to do it. Mm. Haley was just like, is there a soccer comparison to Steph? Messi. Messi broke football. Yeah, but she said that. I said, I've been thinking about this and the closest I can think of is Messi, but I don't think it quite worked because it's not one specific thing. Like, think about what Steph has done. Steph is a sharpshooter, mm. right? But I actually think that because of the breakdown of the sports and what you need, I, I think it's really, really difficult to pinpoint a direct comparison to a football player. Yeah, because like everyone shoots from everywhere. Because of St- Steph has done it, so everyone shoots from everywhere. But also the basketball variables are more controlled. The, the playing area is smaller. Mm. It's a higher scoring game. Uh, there's a lot more statistical focus on very, very set st- um, like statistical breakdowns. So for example, like mid-range jumpers, points in the paint, free throws, three-pointers, assists, blocks. It's very, very segmented in basketball. Right? I agree. Whereas in football, yeah. scoring the most career-free kicks. You don't see awards given for the most career-free kicks. I know what you mean. I think it's the Brazilian Ronaldo is the closest to Steph Curry, and I'll explain why. The moment Steph Curry brings the ball past half court, you are in trouble. You don't have to be an assist he kills you with, or three points, and he is lethal, right? And this is the, the thing that Brazilian Ronaldo did that changed the game like Steph Curry did, that I think no one did before. When Brazilian Ronaldo came into football, he made, I mean, oh my God, I'm, I'm a grown man and I've got, I'm sweating. This man's been retired for years. Brazilian Ronaldo made you afraid within 45 yards, you're in goal. You were not safe. If he received possession in Serie A at his peak in the late 90s, you were not safe. You saw multiple defenders quivering and that is what Steph Curry does. He induces a level of fear in a territory that was previously regarded as utterly safe. You are in a state of peril. This was a complete new thing. To arrive in Steph Curry with a hand in his face, 35 feet, is lethal. And the Brazilian Ronaldo at his peak, and it only lasted a few years because of the injury, I think is the closest comparison. See, Just, that's why I, the, yeah. yeah, see, that's why I think that it's makes, a tricky comparison. Though, it, is, it is Steph's, tricky, of course. Yeah. Steph's, is, Steph's is relentless and Steph's is over a decade. Right. And the fact that he's broken a record at 33, right. he's still going to be, he's still, injuries permit him. Mm. Steph can stay fit. Mm. He's got at least another five years. But that's why, that's why, yeah. So he's essentially only really two thirds of the way through his career, right. let's say. And he's broken the record. That's the only reason why I use Brazilian Ronaldo as a comparison. And I know the injury stopped it from being a direct one, but it's the closest. We've never really seen a thing like Steph Curry, I think, because of fitness in football. It's fitness, I think. The reason he's such a lethal sharpshooter is because he creates so many of those shots himself. You look at like the comparison with Ray Allen. Ray Allen needed a lot of those to be assisted, right? Steph's threes are unassisted because his handle is astonishing. The reason why Ronaldo was such a killer is because, you know, in the metaphorical sense was that his footwork was astonishing, right? That's what made him dangerous. Mm. I think, you know, Steph's handle can get forgotten in the shooting. You look at the stats, it's like, no, but like this man can go in and out. of. I've never seen a player go in and out of the paint like that. Like Steph's handle actually... It's as good as his jump shot. underrated. Oh God, yeah, yeah. In the same way that like Kevin Durant's is underrated, right? Oh, he's tall, he can pull up. No, it's because Kevin Durant's crossover is like, Kevin Durant's crossover is so fast. It's like throwing a tennis ball as quick as you can. I like, you know, like, you throw a tennis ball at the wall as hard as you can and it comes back at you. That is how fast his crossover moves. Um, so yeah, sorry to throw that out there, but I think that it's interesting to look at Steph Curry as kind of the accumulation of his skill set and that the jump shot is like the kind of icing on the cake for him. 
that makes sense. I think also um, the thing that I think is the, that I would go with that comparison is that at the time when Ronaldo came through, mm. even though there had been brilliant strikers before or whatever, but I don't think anyone's ever seen anyone like this before. And he actually broke the mold for a footballer. Right. We've seen people who have been able to, to some degree, replicate what Ronaldo did mm. since. He did it at such a rate that no one had ever been able to do it before. And I think that's the thing that I make. That's- I like the comparison because I think, for example, now, if you look at the NBA, mm. I'm not entirely sure if Steph's record will ever be broken, but what has happened is that you've got youngsters coming into the league now because of the way that the game has moved and the way that the uh, focus on certain player skills has moved. You know, like Trey Young can come in and start shooting from half court in his rookie year. Luca can come in and start shooting threes and step back threes in his rookie year. Players in the NBA haven't been able to do that before. Yeah. It's the playground test. You go through any suburban playground or any playground, inner city playground and any, in, in a basketball court and you see people launching the ball from distance. Right, that's the playground test, yeah. which didn't happen before. The same with Ronaldo. When Ronaldo came on the scene, before he arrived, Brazilian Ronaldo, kids were not picking up the ball from their goalkeeper in the playground and trying to go past five, six players and beat everyone. But they'd seen Ronaldo do it so many times, they're like, oh, this must be possible. Of course it wasn't because it's Ronaldo, but Steph Curry and Brazilian Ronaldo changed what people fundamentally thought was possible. Like if you had to give anyone, here's, if let's flip it this way, if you had to give anyone in basketball the nickname, the phenomenon, it'd probably be Steph. If you had to give any player of the current generation who is the phenomenon, they'd be like, oh, it's probably Steph. I go with that. That makes sense. Anyway, sorry to, that's my little thesis. We love what, we lo- we love what Hayley does, so we had to like throw that in there. Yeah. Shall we get out of here? Let's do it. All right, then. We hope everyone is staying safe and well. Get vaccinated if you can. Get that booster. Don't forget to check Right, oh, we didn't even mention it at the top of the show. Me and Flo joined Righty on Righty's house this week. Go and check that, that was out. a Good. superb podcast. The section you went from Thanks grief to Peppa Pig with effortless ease. Oh, it was so good, so good. Yeah, good to have Righty back. We missed yeah. him. Stadio.football, scroll down to the bottom, pop your email address in if you would like to receive our newsletter. Check the ringer.com forward slash soccer for Moose's piece on Napoli. I'll, like I said, I'll write that piece about F1. It should be up Friday. Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. All the music we play on each episode. Search for Stadio Outros. Speaking of which, we are playing out on a beauty by Duster called Inside Out. Anything you want to add, Musak Wonga? Nothing further. Nothing. For- oh, wait. Oh, quickly, very quickly. Shout out to the lovely Casper up in King's Cross. I was out the other night. Casper is a wonderful human being. Partner Leanna is a wonderful director and writer. And I was out uh, having some drinks in King's Cross and Casper very kindly sorted me out at the wonderful Megara Hotel in King's Cross. So thank you very much, Casper. Stadio listener, um, who was so kind to say hello. It's just lovely because Stadio feels like a community in quite a cheesy way. So it's great to meet members of the kind of, the listening community. I can't wait to hopefully someday receive these perks as well. (laughs) Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Much love. And we'll be back on Monday. Take care.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.